Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. You know, I was the other day I was going through the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, and it's not a, this is not it's a passage I haven't spent a lot of time in over the years, but I thought it was worth taking a look at. Uh, one of the reasons is that uh, over the last year, uh, I, you know, you go through periods of your life where you you go to a lot of uh, uh, weddings. And uh, I'm going through a period of my life now where I'm actually going to more funerals than I am weddings. So I thought it might be helpful to look at John chapter 14. Let me just read the passage to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, of course, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I'm not so much focused on Thomas's question here, but on what Jesus is teaching here, and, and that is because of the promise Christ telling us that God is as good as we might think he is, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In other words, Catholic doctrine is supposed to have an impact on our emotional life. It is supposed to change the way we feel. We don't start with our feelings. We start with the fact that Jesus taught this, and then we exercise faith in that fact, and then the feelings follow. But Jesus is concerned that we pay attention uh, to our feelings. We don't ignore them. They are important. They're an important part of who we are. We have to handle them maturely. They're the passions. They're, they was Frequently, they are what drive us, and we want them informed by reason, governed by wisdom, and formed by the facts that Christ has given us. So, don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to have worry. You don't have to have fear. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, you say, well, why should I trust you? Well, let me be a little bit crude about this. Somebody who is, rises from the death, when they're talking about the afterlife, they deserve a little special attention. And in this case, that's what we have. We have the one who's going to show himself to be victor over life and death. And so when he sets himself up as our counselor and says, don't let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, or trust in God, excuse me, trust also in me, and then says, the reason for this is that in my Father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there. You're going to come. We're going to be together. It's going to be great. Now, in our society, of course, we're encouraged not to think about death. And we take a look at some of those pictures of uh, monks, Middle Ages. And actually, you see this even in the 19th century. And they have skulls on their desk. And we, we think that somehow that's pathological. But it's not. 
it was a way of reminding us of what we want to avoid. The idea that we are finite. We have limited time in this world and that ultimately there'll be an end and we will be judged. Uh, that is not meant to paralyze us or to create uncreative fear or anxiety. It's meant for us to come to grips with a fact. But then Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled as you contemplate these things. You know, the, uh, a Presbyterian pastor I know tells a story of a Western reporter who noticed that uh, uh, the relationship between Japanese doctors and their patients in Tokyo is a little different than what we see in the United States. And he said, most of the time, when a Japanese doctor is treating a patient with terminal cancer, now this goes back about 15 years, so I assume it's still the same. Most of the time, when a Japanese doctor is treating a patient with terminal cancer, he never tells the patient what they're being treated for. And the, the patient doesn't usually ask. So the Western reporter asked the Japanese doctor about this. And the Japanese doctor said, well, you have to understand that we here in Japan generally don't believe in an afterlife. So death is a harder thing for us to accept. Now, I think he was giving the United States and Western people way too much credit. Maybe the Japanese denied death by not asking their doctors anything. But Americans deny death by suing their doctors for anything. <laughs> because, you see, it's not supposed to happen. Death, decay, sickness, it's not supposed to happen. I mean, you look at the advertisements we've got here. We can, we've never been a society more scared of aging, more in denial of it. Uh, there's a whole movement uh, now, a longevity movement, a transhumanist movement, which is doing everything it's, it can to try to create immortality in the flesh. Uh, it is quite sophisticated uh, philosophically, and it tries, it's an, it's an interdisciplinary movement. It deals with medicine and philosophy. It's in the social sciences. And what they're trying to say is, on the one hand, uh, we need to put all of our resources behind the process of aging, do reverse engineering of our cells, and we can live forever. But in the meantime, if we don't get there yet, well, death is just natural. There's nothing strange about it at all. I remember many years ago, the great 20th century psychologist B.F. Skinner, the determinist psychologist, uh, father of one of the three great schools of 20th century psychology, as he was getting older, was asked about death. He, had, he said, I have no fear of death, no fear at all, uh, because it's quite natural. Well, I think, you know, he may have grown accustomed to the idea, but there's nothing natural about death. I mean, look, every human heart instinctively knows, unless it's trained out of it, that death is monstrous. It's unnatural. It's perverted. It's, it's traumatic. In fact, St. Paul calls it the last enemy. And, and the real question we have to ask is, why, you know, why is everybody conspiring together, so to speak, to deny, well, I mean, whether you're philosophers or, or certain medical people or advertisers, why is everybody conspiring to deny the obvious? 
There's a non-Christian uh, sociologist thinker, Ernest Becker, who wrote a book called The Denial of Death. He wasn't a Christian. But he said the reason we deny death is not innocent. Uh, there's a motive behind it. We simply don't want to admit that we're not in control. We don't want to admit that we um, rely on a transcendent something or other that supports us. And to us modern people, what makes life meaningful is choice, the idea of options, keeping your options open. And kind of the American way is that nobody has a right to tell you how to dress, how to live, how to listen, to what to listen to, how to think, what to go, what to do, you know. And death is kind of the final thing that's supposed to come down and give us no choices. And that has to be denied. We deny it because it tells us we aren't in control. I think that's one reason reincarnation has grown so popular in the West since the 1960s. Uh, What's funny is in the West, the concept of reincarnation is a way of saying, hey, you get another go-round at it, you know? You get another chance. You you may have missed it on the first time, but look, you can get, get it the second time around. And what's hilarious is that while in the West, reincarnation is regarded as a positive thing, you kind of get another um, uh, chance to pass the test. In the East, reincarnation is a tragic thing. I mean, in the, in the lands in which reincarnation grew up as a belief, now you know, dominated by Hindu uh, philosophy and Buddhist thinking, reincarnation is a real downer. That's what you try to avoid. You're trying to escape the eternal cycle of, you know, you're trying to undo your karma and not have to be reincarnated. But in the West, it's been interpreted as, whew, now we can deny death. We've got another grow around with reincarnation. So I guess when I look at what Jesus is teaching here in John chapter 14, I say to myself, he is speaking to what I have found in my own experience, especially early on in life, earlier on in life, and in the experience of so many people. I've, I've seen it fathering children. I've seen it pastoring a congregation. I've seen it uh, working on air, uh, talking with people for 30 years. That death is a serious fear for people. The scriptures talk about it as the last enemy, Scriptures say that uh, Satan keeps people in bondage all their life through the fear of death. And Jesus breaks that bondage. He breaks that fear. So I think we should never minimize the importance of Christ's words here. It's not just an abstract, you know, I'm going to heaven someday, or, you know, I just, if I'm a good boy, everything will work out. He's telling us about reality. And this, this has to be taken and applied to our own particular attitudes uh, towards death. You know, it's funny, everybody wants to go home. Uh, in the human heart, there's a desire to go back to some sort of golden age. We often imagine somewhere in the past there was a golden age. I'm traveling back to Connecticut. You know, I'm going to go back to the grammar school. I want, I, while I'm there, I'm, I'm going to talk to some old friends. And, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, quote, going home. 
Now, the truth is, I've been living in the state of Michigan since I was 20 years old. So if, if any place has a, has a claim on my life as home, it's Michigan. But still, those early formative years, you can't help but think of them as home. So what is home, then? Well, it's, it's not just a geographical place. Home is the place you belong. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He knows where you belong. You belong with him. You belong as the conqueror and victor over death. You have that available to you through faith and baptism by which you're mystically united with him who is the victor over death. That's where we find our home. 